And so as we are digging in for the holidays, I want us to start out. Let's introduce, I, I want you to introduce yourselves. I do this. If anybody's ever sit in on a healthy, holy conversation, they will absolutely <laughs> know that me and introductions are not the best. But I want my people to introduce themselves tonight. Uh, and the reason I do is because it's a healthy, holy conversation. I don't want people to introduce themselves. Well, you you know what's going on tonight. Y'all have y'all seen the fly. I hope you got the book. I hope you read it because we finna tag some of it. But I want people to introduce themselves and their humanity because that is how we bring healing to our community. The Black faith community, it was, at one point it was Black church community, but the Black faith community needs to see who we are. And we need to talk about subjects that have been stripped away from us. And this is one of those major subjects that got stripped is that we cannot talk about our humanity in regards to intimacy, sex, and sexuality. So I'm going to start out. I'm going to get um, the great <laughs> the great Reverend Dr. Simmons to introduce herself. Um, and we'll go uh, down to, uh, I'm going to call her to uh, Reverend Dr. Robinson. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Um, after Thank that, y'all go ahead. Thank you for having me. So tonight, just pray for me. I'm dealing with some upper respiratory things, but I believe you'll be able to hear me in the spirit. So I am the Reverend Dr. Arlisha Simmons. I'm a native Gullah Geechee girl. I'm the daughter of Lovey, the granddaughter of Louise, Eloise, Nana, Mary, and Josephine. Um, and I am a couple of different things. I'm an educator. I am a minister of the gospel and I consider myself a healing griot. And so my goal is to share the story of my people, to share my story, the story of my people through writing and through social media and through whatever mediums that are available. So thank you for having me. Yeah. Oh, wow. That is beautiful. Look at Doc. Doc. I love you, Doc. <laughs> I am um, Reverend Terrace Bronson Robinson, but I guess I'm also Johnetta Merritt and Edna Broughton's granddaughter. I am uh, Randy Broughton's daughter, the uh, oldest of a woman who was the darkest in her family, in a Creole family, in a red light district who uh, suffered and overcame mental illness during times where we didn't even know what it was, uh, that had a mother who would leave a few months at a time and, and come back when she was better. Um, I am the, the granddaughter of those type of resilient women. And uh, wow. also a sixth generation AME, the first Hello. one. <laughs> Uh, the first woman to be ordained in my family. So, since we got y'all on here, because you got two bathrooms in the AME. AME is like the show out. And Dr. Simmons know that. Y'all know, if you AME, I'm going to call you out. Y'all like to show out on things. Y'all like to come, <laughs> shut it down, and then be like, have a good night. And so, you know, Baptists, we like to process it a little bit, and then we like to give y'all, you know, an introduction. We give y'all three points and a close. So, we're going to make it happen. <laughs> people, people don't realize, Jarena Lee, she cut Richard Allen off. So <laughs> she just started preaching when he, when he couldn't remember the scripture. She just came in to start preaching. So that's, I'm in the Dorena Lee spirit. <laughs> so tonight, you know, the Healthy and Holy Platform looks at, um, we look at life at the intersection of, sex, of um, spirituality and emotional wellness for the Black church community. Spirituality and emotional wellness is not just inclusive of what's going on just in your brain, but your mental wellness literally affects what goes on in your body and what you put out. And so this is one of those, when I tell you, first of all, I'm introduced the book, Digging for Intimacy. Well, I got this book when she first put it out on Kindle. And I promised y'all first chapter, I was like, oh, we, this how we want to start. So, you know, I seem to pick authors that like to start out with a touch of, I'm about to knock you out. And then let's see. And you get two pieces of this book and she has the questions. She makes you start to dig. Like, so if you have not purchased this, <laughs> your bad. I need you to go get it. <laughs> I need you to go get it, get it. She's going to tell you how. Um, but the questions make you dig. So let's just jump in. Uh, and I, I was reading Kelly Brown Douglas. I was reading um, another work. I was reading Bell Hook. And I was, you know, sitting with some of this stuff that you were saying. And then I was like, you know what, though? How about, you know, as we dig in, let's, I just want to start with chapter one. I'm going to be real because I was intrigued with the title. And then as we went through, I have, uh, and Terrence is going to help me tonight too, because she got a bunch of questions. She's like, girl, I'm about to 
ask these questions. But I really want to know, when, when was it that it hit you that you didn't have to be your dad's princess? Like, that you could just show up in your womanhood and do what you needed to do and be? Because it, there are women right now that are watching it. The holidays don't feel right. This season doesn't feel right because they don't have a man. They don't have a significant other. They don't have a boo. And so they feel like they're going to have to be cold for the holidays. And they still feel like they sitting. This is what God has for them is this lonely space and not having, not being connected. So what, what got you to that, that space of, okay, yeah, I'm not, I'm a grown woman and I got needs. (laughs) Well, I think that the, the, I'll have to step back and, you know, in reading the first chapter, my um, my father read it. I don't know if my mom's read the whole book, but my father's read it. He was like, well, I guess you just told your truth. So my parents had me as a te- as teenagers. They were, I was conceived when they were 14 and 16, and then they gave birth to me when they were 15 and 17. So my father has always been in my life. Um, but I grew up in a home with my grandparents. So I had my grandfather. And so I kind of grew up kind of wanting to be, you know, as I moved from the hood and I went to another school where most of my classmates had their dad and their mom, mostly in the classroom. Um, I was just kind of like, man, I want to be daddy's little girl. I want to be daddy's princess. And even though we don't, we don't ever voice it sometimes in our minds, that's what we want to be. And before there was a Princess Tiana and whatever Disney is doing, we don't necessarily need the representation by melanin or skin color. It's just the notion of, I want to be rescued. I want to be, um, I want to marry the prince. And so we grow up with those images. And um, as I navigated and started to really look at how I was navigating my sexuality and trying to find something in these relationships that technically at the end of the day left me without any type of tiara, <laughs> mm. they left me broken, um, they left me empty, um, I had to figure out like, what is this longing that you have? And what is this? What is it? Why are you trying to partner with people who don't want to be partnered with you? Why are you trying to love people um, more, more than they could ever imagine loving you? And it was that I wanted to be daddy's little princess. And so if I couldn't do it with my own daddy, maybe I can find wow. this 35-year-old who will allow me to be his queen. You know, that's one of wow. those words we use now. Um, you know, my queen, my queen. And so even as I date now, I kind of don't like the words, hey, queen. I was like, hey, how you doing? I don't really like the word um, because I'm trying to realize, like, I'm, I'm not daddy's little princess. Um, and it's okay because I'm still whole. I'm still a whole woman. Um, oh, yeah. I'm still a a blessed woman. I'm still a beloved woman. I'm still an anointed woman. And how do I live out my life and my sexuality? And this is a difficult conversation, especially for those um, who continue. And it's, you know, however people are going to navigate their theology, um, who are going to continue to preach to 40 and 50 and 60 year olds, you must be a virgin when you get married. And so you think about biblical texts and when women were getting married, if we're thinking about um, Mary, the Christ bearer, the mother of Jesus, Mary is in middle school, okay? So Mary doesn't have to necessarily, she's already betrothed to Joseph while she is technically a middle schooler. So Mary isn't in grad school with, you know, starting to feel these emotions in her body. Mary is a young woman who's coming into her own, if we are to believe um, scripture and historical reference. And so now we're having this tension. And I think as a therapist, you know, so you might not be having sex, but you're making love to some potato chips. You might not be, you know, making love to some- You know, that's why we're having this conversation. That's exactly why we're having this conversation. So- 
So things that we're battling with and wrestling with and manifest in some other ways, okay? And so sometimes in the church, we just want to deal with the sexuality. We want to deal with the, we, you know, we think lust, you know, lust is one of those things we're going to talk about, whether you lust them with same sex or whether you lust them with somebody the opposite, opposite sex, not realizing that gluttony is in the, is in the, in that pool too. Uh, but we don't deal with that. But that's, those are some of the things where many of us have, we're dealing with emotional eating okay yeah. uh, because you know I went to a therapist and a nutritionist when I was in graduate school at the University of Iowa and I remember um you know we're sitting there and she goes well Alicia you can only have this many wings I said look I am 1100 miles away from home I'm cold I ain't having sex I'm gonna eat me some brownies okay I'm gonna <laughs> eat me some brownies <laughs> And I want to say that. Can, can I just jump in right quick, Doc? Seriously, you brought up such a good point when you when you say that, because we don't recognize one thing that we in our sexual experiences, there are these dopamines that are given off and there's these serotonin levels, right, that are given off. But here it is. We don't see and understand that um, in order to replace those particular hormones, we eat either salty foods or very sugary foods, depending right. on what. <laughs> and, and then chocolate actually has, it triggers the hormone in our bodies that is attached to sex. And so, you know, your desire for chocolate isn't just your desire for chocolate. You know, I took a whole, Ooh. in my other graduate school, I took a whole class because I, I wanted to really get a handle on my weight and my eating. And so we got this grit about, you know, when you're wanting something crunchy, you don't want a potato chip, but something else that's missing. When you want something sweet, salty, or savory, there's something missing in your life. And so oftentimes we don't make the connections as to why am I sitting on this couch eating this whole pint of Ben and Jerry's, you know, cooking no ice cream, you know, because if it was another way, I really want somebody to be rubbing on my thigh. I'm a good Christian girl and I can't really voice that. So what I try to do in this book is voice the conversations we have with ourselves and we have in our friend yes. groups, but society and the church doesn't allow us to have those conversations because what? they want us to be righteous instead of ratchet. And well, so- let me, let me say, I came here wrong because I was trying to, I was trying to dig in nice. Y'all are, y'all already digging up to the humanity. Yeah, she went on in because I, yeah, she went on in. I wanted to even say you did a marvelous job. I love how you connected, um, you know, just the spiritual, the, I wrote it down as, this is what, what, this is what I wrote it down as reading it. The spiritual, generational, bio, physio, psycho, social transfer. Cause you hit all of them in your book. Every last one. Every, Every last, last one. one. And, uh, and particularly how you, when you, just like what uh, Dr. Margaret opened up with, when you said with the daddy's little girl, uh, one of my key things in teaching sex in the church is we have a notion to deal with each other based on our social stereotypes instead of who we are as people. So then you have fathers who just like they have to see their little boys as these, you know, sexually prowess, um, you know, strong, macho, you know, physical achievers. They also have to see their girls as these dainty, light, oh, she's untouchable and cannot be, uh, you know, nobody can breathe on her. Watch this just for him to feel that he did his job. Right. And so oftentimes that's projected so that, and, and we protect our fathers. That is our way of protecting and loving on our fathers Ooh. by acquiescing to that stereotype. And Dr. Alicia, you even came through. So like, we finna get to the yams. I see you, Dr. Melva. We get into them. You talked about that. You said, you said in, in this piece of, you know, Jesus is my boo or maybe not. I, I really had to get past that too because I'm like, you know, I'm just going to be married to Jesus. Well, that's not true because I'm not the entire bride of Christ. I need a human. Like you talked about how women, that really only applies when we're talking about this, this celibacy place or this activist place, which you clearly gave a definition of both. Thank you for clarify, clarifying that. We're going to do it tonight. But men don't push their boys to do that. So you spoke from a Baptist context and I loved it because most in most Baptist churches, I grew up with boys being a musician, girls in the choir. And so you talking about this chase girl who is keeping herself and, and, and being pure. And then 
they got the boys over here on the guitar, on the drums, and on the keys, and they like, you know, whichever one you see free. I mean, that's really kind of the conversation that happened. So, so can can can't we go into that because? That is not what happens when we having these cravings. That is not what's happened when we trying to savor. I'm sorry, that, that brownie really don't work out though when I need to because that thing has been woke up. Uh, Song of Solomon, like once that has been awakened, it's, a, it's woke. And so I really need this connection, this humanity that needs to be there. But then you have women and men too, you know, I'm gonna leave them out. I want my brothers who watching tonight to feel included that are holding themselves for marriage or holding themselves for some sacred relationship, but we don't even know the difference between abstinence and celibacy. But can you break that down? Yeah, she break it down in the book so good. <laughs> I about threw my, I about I threw think, my phone because it was on Kindle. So I, I what is that? I may have to go back to my, I may have to reference, go back to my own reference because I can't, <laughs> I, I got foggy in this brain. But what, you know, sometimes people say, um, they use them interchangeably, but they can't necessarily be used interchangeably. One is a calling to not having sex at all, period. Um, right. We see this in scripture with the eunuchs, or we see it with some figures in the Bible. And then there's another where there's a period of um, abstaining from sex. And so sometimes we don't know the right word um, to use. And we're like, oh, um, you know, I'm I'm not having no more sex. I'm I'm abstain. I'm celibate. Well, how 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 long is the cel? How when did the celibacy start? Did it start Saturday night, or when did it like how like is this for the long haul? Is it just you celibate because you going? We're gonna do a week celibacy. <laughs> you know, so is is it? Are you celibate because things ain't working right because of the season you in? So you know. <laughs> I think sometimes people use the words interchangeably and there are periods of time where you may, you know, of course there's this expectation that everybody, if you're not married, you are not having any type of intercourse intimacy. You are just praying and saving yourself. You're just saving yourself. (laughs) You're just saving yourself. Okay. Um, Not realizing that intimacy happens in so many different ways. And so when I talk about digging for intimacy, there's so many ways in which you're intimate with people. Um, and something I didn't share in the book, and but I've been talking about it as I've been talking in the book about how when I was in graduate school, and there's actually a business for this now. If you go online, you'll see these stories about people, they just cuddle. They cuddle other people and people pay them to be cuddled. They when I was in graduate real. school in Iowa, <laughs> It's real. When I was in graduate school, there was this international student. We just used to cuddle. People were like, I don't believe it. I was like, we never had sex. We just used to cuddle. Like we're in the middle of Iowa. Okay. And so even when I was at Duke, I took this class called Sexuality in the Body. And we um, looked at an article that talked about the Navy in the early 1900s. And it's the same thing that happens in prison culture. People need human connection. So somebody may go into prison and they're not gay, but they may form these partnerships and relationships while they're right. in prison because we need human connection and touch. And so people can't understand that. But this article kind of talks about how this existed in a naval community. I think it was in another country about how um, men took on different roles in this community because they couldn't just stay on the ship and, and everybody's, you know, um, manly, everybody's, right. you know, hetero, hetero man. Right. Like it just didn't work for the dynamics of them being in that space for right. so long. And so I don't even remember your last question, but I think That's I wanted okay. to explore good. intimacy. I just wanted to explore intimacy and kind of help people because I think you'll get to a point where, um, and I think it's even happened to a couple friends. They had been saving themselves so long. They get married in their thirties. And then by the time they get married, they can't even enjoy sex because sex in their mind has been so bad. You can't do, you can't do, you can't do, you can't do it. They don't even know how to do it. They're not, they're not pleasing their partner. They don't even know how they're going to be pleased. And so then you got this person in this marriage that, Technically, um, of course, you know, they can go and, and see people about it, but because of the way in which we've been formed and trained and nobody talks mm-hmm. about it, whether in the church or in the house, then you never get to the point of understanding what your sexuality is supposed to be, whatever the season is, whether you're getting married at 20 or whether you're getting married at 52. Um, and so I just wanted to, you know, I'm telling my own stuff, I, you know. I'm just talking about what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> I'm 
But I think some I think what you're talking like, about is helping folks. Like I, I because I, you know, and and again, y'all get the book because we have you know forty five minutes to an hour to try to dig in. And y'all need to dig in because because I'm finna go to the next dig because <laughs> that this is what made me say let's let's just hit this up and get people to see that she put her life out here you know for us to read and it yeah. told my life up uh so yeah even talking and about I was the very thing yeah. I, I guess to to bring it home even talking about the celibacy versus abstinence even your clear definition celibacy is the Catholic practice of never getting married but we have women mm-hmm. out here saying you need to be celibate. Well, then I'm inviting you never to be married if I'm going to go with this definition. <laughs> definition. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to abstain. And I love how you said I'm abstaining because I want to or is it a circumstance? I just can't grab it, which is what you just said. I just can't get it. Um, I can't find him. I can't find her. I can't find, I can't find no boo. So I'm just going to go around. And then it, it, as we move forward in the book, you talk about how you went through this season and then tr- my body just needs somebody. Like, And the intimacy it doesn't mean sex. And you really broke that down on it doesn't mean sex. I really need a cuddle. I need a touch. I need a hug. And I need it, I need it from who I'm attracted to. I need it from opposite sex. I need it from same sex. Whatever your sexual attraction is, I, I need to feel that energy. And that's factual. Even um, Dr. Kelly Brown Douglas talks about that in her book, um, you know, around sexuality. She speaks to that. Like, we are humans. And one of our base needs is human connection sex like we need it they done tried to reform it but we need it yes and then yeah. even and... go ahead you got you got it there okay uh, no because i was i'm just i was floored with um you know this the mentioning of intimacy as almost a a god experience because we know god to be a god of equilibrium through my eye we know god to be a god of balance y'all know and so my you know my theory of androgyny that says that we all even uh we know we seek to be with that that is our opposite that we perceive as our opposite and oftentimes we choose and even we talked about it in, in the um you know in in her book where she said all these different scenarios and all these different relationships that she knew she did not want (laughs) all these different examples of what she knew she didn't want but yet there was still the necessity to want that intimacy and want that closeness and so um I just want to just highlight that that is a God experience you know us wanting to uh, oftentimes it plays out in us choosing relationships with people who uh, watch this, we see as having something that we don't. And so that's how we, you know, even seeking monogamous relationships, we end up having at best a series of, mono, you know, a serial monogamy and, and choosing these different people in these different types that then speak to our souls and complement our the nine parts of our souls in a particular way. And so we wind up, wind up with this sexual transcript, just like we have it as cool as transcript that teaches us. Um, and I love how she made her experiences the academic, the scholarship. I mean, I, that, that just blew my mind, how, how you centered, um, you know, just a, being a cisgender heterosexual woman, just like well, I'm, a, I'm a highly masculine, cisgender heterosexual woman and how you centered uh, your experience as as a, a form of scholarship it just it just breathtaking for me and relieving and uh, very much healing yeah and I, I I think you know I know that my book won't necessarily be picked up in seminaries probably maybe not I but I knew when I was in seminary I read all kind of books to bring us a better understanding of ethics or of different things but I started um you know when you start exploring womanism and feminism you read Michelle Wallace and you read bell hooks and you're not talking you're talking about people they're talking about lived experiences of communities and of individuals and that's kind of the book I wanted to write the book I wanted to read 20 years ago 
when I was a 20 something year old woman working at the bookstore. And I say, well, what is this book about? What is this book on teach me about life? What is this book going to teach me? Um, and that's the book I wanted to write. And so, you know, I wrote it from this first person narrative and people were like, God, even the guy I was just dating up until uh, Thanksgiving. He goes, why would you write this book and put all this information out of here? I said, this is for me, not for you. This, this was for me. This is for me. Good. Not for you. This is my story. This is my story, my song, my narrative. Um, you know, I may die and somebody finds it 50 years from now and they're going to be talking about the sexuality of Black women in America. And they're going to be reading this book to see what were the, how did Black women in the 1900s and the early 20s 2000s how did they live out their sexuality then let this be a reader for them and so people are really confused as to why I would even write a book like this and I'm my feeling or understanding was it's a book to help other people be able to articulate um how they have thought through sexuality. Um, I've had a lot of interesting conversations I've had I, I had a 75 year old crying she said, I wish somebody had talked to me about some of the stuff you had talked about. This woman is 75 years old, a grandmother, then been married, then had kids, and she was literally crying. She goes, this book, and she started telling me like the story. She goes, you know, I would see my mother's birth control and she would never tell me what it was. So it takes her back to her childhood of trying to process and understand what sex looked like 70 something years ago and to still be able to kind of connect the book that I wrote in 20. 2021 to an experience that happened 70 years ago and I thought that was just interesting because I never expected the book to connect with people from that generation and the book has been connecting with people from that generation because they've never been able to voice what it is I've been able to voice or express and I'm so glad that you wrote it it, it was an elder in the book uh that came that came to you and said baby don't don't stop living your life. Um, you don't have to have it line up like that because you're going to need somebody. So I, and we often don't speak to our elders' needs. Um, even at the conference, I, you know, if people were not there, there was, a, there was someone who spoke to that. Like, I'm just now discovering, um, I'm just now discovering the true beauty and, and blessing and healing nature of sex. <laughs> and I'm just now discovering me and my sexuality and owning that I am what I am. And so, but I'm just not doing that after 50. So, because I was told I need to be chased. I need to be this. Basically, I need to not enjoy this. I need to make babies, have kids. And then it's all pleasurable for the man. And that's crazy. So the, what, I guess, what advice would you give? And then I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a heads up. We moving on to the lion's den. Cause I'm nosy. I'm more nosy about that. That whole chapter got me. Oh, with the lion's den, but. But That's my we, favorite chapter. That was the last chapter I wrote, and it's my favorite chapter. That chapter so good. My favorite um, chapter. <laughs> that I was like, oh, okay then. Um, but how how do we how do we do that? Because I'm a woman after forty, and so um and so I I I am a same gender loving woman. And I'm still having these same things. So it isn't just hetero. And, and that's even said in the book in the introduction. Uh, Dr. Riggins Earl taught me, read your intro so you won't be thinking something about this book. She says that I, I'm speaking from my experience, something to speak from mine. I still have the same need. And I am now divorced, single, holidays. I'm happy my family coming. Like I'm getting my oxytocin from my, my sisters and their kids and all that. It's going to be wonderful, right? But you know what? What I need a warm body. So like that's why I was like, this book is helping me dig into intimacy and what does that really look like? And what does that look like for our for our elders, for in for for those who are 55 plus, so I use the United States definition, but those who uh, they have, they've given their life to raising kids, to work. They've been strong black woman in the definition of Shaniqua Walker Barnes. Like I've I've taken on this yoke and now that I'm freeing myself, I need intimacy. How can we speak to that tonight? Um, I think the gift of it all is having these experiences. I'm now at a place of knowing what I need and what I don't need. So for me, um, and I'm gonna put that I'm gonna put that question on the on the side for a minute. So what I need now is more 
genuine, authentic, stable love, you know. Mm. And so oh, yeah, that sounded so oh, that sounded good. <laughs> so so what that means is that's not a that's not a sneaky link. That's not a oh. sneaky link, okay? Oh. Because so you 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 get to a point where you separate, like what is it that I really, really need? And so while there's the availability and the convenience that's there, maybe it's not there for everybody, but it's, it's, it's there. It's the availability and the convenience. But what I want is probably not something I can have right now. So for me, um, I'm okay this Christmas, having just gotten out of a relationship, still singing, what do the lonely do at Christmas? We be by ourselves and have a good Christmas. <laughs> but for those who are... Um, thinking about that and desiring partnership and wanting to, you know, have that gift exchange you've saw you've seen on your last movie, um, it could be difficult. And you know, maybe that is something that you 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 could have that talk with Jesus, um, or you just kind of be, you know. I think it's one. It's not a. It's not an easy answer because everybody has to figure out what is right for them. Um, you know, Christmas and the holidays is that time when your old sneaky link comes into town and they call you, you know, because maybe their wife is shopping or they're whatever, they're shopping and they got a couple minutes. They're like, hey, what you doing? It's like, hey, how you doing? Yeah. And they're like, yeah, I saw I saw you going to be home for the holidays. I saw your picture. I saw your son ain't coming home. You think I can stop by? So it's, it's really trying to process and navigate through those experiences or the potential experiences that may end you up in the place of not really getting fulfilled in the way you want to be fulfilled. Um, my God, and, you just walked you know, up my because, road, my pew. <laughs> yeah, because, you know, the thing is, in most cases, women aren't necessarily desiring sneaky links. We want to be linked up. We want these long-term intimate relationships where we can call and have long conversations. Um, there's this guy who likes me. I'm going to put all my business out. It's on Facebook, but anyway. So <laughs> Saturday, I had to fly out of town at the last minute and I had cramps and and he's like trying to, you can do it. He was like, the Bible says your body's cleanse yourself. And I was like, what? Like I'm tired. I don't want to get out of this bed. But that's that intimacy we desire to be able to share with somebody. He's on the phone and I'm, I'm lamenting about my body doesn't feel like driving an hour and a half to get on a plane to go to a birthday party. And he's kind of encouraging me like well you know you got to do it and you know it's natural and I was like what just don't just listen to me complain just listen to me lament but that's that intimacy that we desire it wasn't sexual in nature it was just having somebody listen to this very intimate part of my life that I can't share necessarily on Facebook or nobody wants to listen to the seven o'clock in the morning on a Saturday morning so those are the types of intimate moments that we really desire um However, for some of the partners we engage with, you know, it's kind of like, okay, I want the talking and I want to just be cuddled, but they need the other part. So it's like we navigate, negotiate as a navigation and negotiation. And sometimes it may be something you want. And, it, and usually sometimes for women, it may not necessarily be like, it's not a deal breaker for us. We just want the conversation, the talking, the putting my head on your shoulder, to put my head on your lap. And as part of that, we know that the negotiation and navigation is I got to give you what you mm. want because you not gave me what I want. And we're not honest <laughs> with ourselves because we're good Christian people. And that's why we're told we got to go to the movies in a group because you don't want to get caught slipping. And some of us got caught slipping and some of us want to slip. And it is what it is. Yes, yes, Woo. yes, Doc. Oh, my Lord. Y'all take, catch your breath, catch your yes. breath. Y'all, people over here, somebody invited us to use the rose. If you don't know what the rose is, I need to go and look that up. Listen. They don't want nobody to come. We got, <laughs> we got, we got some other fellas, what we need to do. Oh, um, you know, because uh, y'all teaching tonight. Y'all teaching tonight. Yes, God, I hear you. And Doc, also, you know, in the, in the digging into the intimacy part, um, as a person who you know I began masturbating when I was I'm sure like I was five um and so I remember making I remember specifically um going to school my grandmother was enrolling me in school and they said oh you can't get in school you gotta be you know you gotta be six before October and I I turned six October 19th so I was so mad and I remember being so upset. I went home and I just closed the door and masturbated. Like I, I remember it so vividly. So I've always mm -hmm. been kind of in touch with my body. 
So here it is now. Um, I've reached this place where my intimacy, uh, because uh, you know, being a survivor of sex trafficking, I learned to be out of my body. And so now I've reached mm. a stage in life where I am, I'm actually in my body. I'm mm. in my flesh. I am feeling my body and I am understanding mm. what the phrase I'm feeling myself really means. Um, it is right now at 45 that the healing has gotten to a place where I am happy with being in my body. And that is a form of intimacy that I'm beginning to enjoy. Can yeah. we dig in? Can we dig in there too? Marta, can you talk for a minute? Um, you know, they have yeah. research to show that even babies self-soothe or masturbate. That's what I'm saying. Like, so can, can we dig in there? I'm glad we brought it up because I was sitting here and as I've been preparing, we have taught for a long time that masturbation is thin masturbation we, I mean we're going to hell I'm just gonna keep it real like you're going to hell if you masturbate but this this self-soothing that babies do this learning body learning your touch especially for those who have who have been taught that touch is wrong and understanding the epigenetics behind it y'all like we our bodies black and body that's mostly who we serve with healthy and holy like black and body my body became a tool it was a piece of cattle it was whatever they needed it to be and so I really got to learn how to touch myself. Like that's not bad. It's not horrible. It's, it's, it's an act of intimacy towards yourself. We also have spaces where we, this emotional masturbation. So I read it. I went, looked up the definition. I was like, Margaret, that didn't just pop in your head. But the definition I saw, it made it just as evil as they have made the word masturbation. Like don't get to know yourself. Literally, it was, the, the definition was, you are you are making yourself emotional. They put it into emotionalism, making yourself emotional so people feel sorry for you. But that's not it. We really need to learn how to do these touches. Like, what does your body need? What does it need a hug? Because if you are someone who takes care of your body, masturbation is not just the act of having sex with yourself. What do I? What, what touch do I need? How am I showing myself this physical intimacy so I know what touch is healthy for me? That is the importance of it. It is scientifically proved. And even, even beyond just the therapeutic room, even with doctors, there are certain things that women need to let go of. So the orgasm is really important. You it starts to become toxic in your body when you don't have this relief. And so what, what does the touch feel like? What, what are you doing to release those ne that negative stuff out of your body? Because that's an essential piece of who we are. So a lot of people, again, equate intimacy and sex and masturbation is bad, but truthfully, if I'm learning this, what am I doing to touch and know my touch, know the gentleness of my touch, know what I need and how I need him or her to come back with the touch? Masturbation is important because as Black people, we really don't know how to touch because we've been touched wrong emotionally and physically for a very long time. It's just been mishandled. So I, I totally... I, you know, and people, I might lose some folks tonight. It's okay, y'all. Y'all admit me that 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 you know, ma masturbation are the are the art of touching your body to know what it is is important. Mm -hmm. In the clinical spaces, yeah. havening is a technique that you can use that helps calm you down and bring you out of anxiety, bring you mm -hmm. out of spaces that have driven you to that. It's literally self soothing. So, yeah. what are we doing, and how are we bringing that? And how? Yeah, my preachers, how can we bring it to the church? That is, that is okay. It is I, I okay it's gonna to be touch a, yourself. It's a hard sale. I think it's going to be a hard sale. I really think it's going to be hard sale. And um, it's because of the definition we've given, because we've given it like masturbation I think, is I think, poking a hole. So <laughs> have you have you watched uh, Bridgerton, the series Bridgerton yeah, yeah. on Netflix? Yeah. And so right when I was processing and I was fin finishing the book, I was watching Bridgerton. And so she is preparing. They're doing these balls. They're meeting up. They're preparing for marriage. And she gets to this point where she's almost about to be married. And she don't know, or she is married, I think. And she doesn't know what she's supposed to be doing. Like she doesn't understand her body. And I was like, this is still happening today, where as people have been mishandled and mistouched, people don't understand what does that mean? You know, what does that mean? And so when you say you're in your body, you know, sometimes I don't know, well, I need to go get a massage because there's tension in my body. 
or sometimes I may just want to cuddle because there's that, I need that connection that's going to take that tension out of the body that maybe a massage isn't going to take out of my body. But I think it's a hard sell for churches. Um, I think it's going to take a minute for churches to have these type of discussions where um, we can actually talk about, and it could actually start in marriages. I think you got a lot of marriages that aren't having a full sexual experience because nobody, you know, he knows how to do what she does and she knows how to just take her clothes off and lay there like Miss Ely on top of me, you know, and and he just did his business. And when you see writers like that, they're really, they're really um, like Margaret Walker, Alice Walker, Alice Walker. She's really showing the experience of black women in our sexual experience of Seely being able to say, I didn't know what being in my body felt like until I kissed Shug, until I had this yes. relationship that's only alluded to um, in the movie. And so, you know, we don't necessarily talk enough about it, but I, I just, when I, when I see scenes like that, it's like, I think those are the types of uh, pop culture products that we can have exploration of. What does this mean? You know, what does it mean if somebody just gets up and just climbs on top of you? Do you just like, nah, Ooh. you know, at this, in 2022, we're like, nah, bro, this ain't working. You're not, ta- no. not going to do that. We're not having it. Flag on the field. Flag on the field. We're not doing that. But this woman in the early 1900s, she's, this is what the expectation is for her and her body. So I'm not sure if we're going to ever get this type of discussion. Um, I have had um, some group discussions with the book, but I, you know, I always tell people when they invite me to a, a church discussion, like, did you, your pastor read it? Because it's a, it's a juicy book. It's something that people need, <laughs> to, need to read. He or she needs to read because, mm-hmm. um, you know, we may have discussions that you don't think need to be had, but it's a, a it's a conversation. You know, I'm always baffled by churches and, you know, you got a bunch of women pregnant in the church and nobody ever wants to talk about sex or sex. At this point, or at this point, we're then I passed that. Let's just talk about healthy intimacy or healthy relationships <laughs> because <laughs> you got three babies with three different people and no, you ain't never seen none of the people so let's just have some discussions that are going to help this person be healthy and whole because yeah. there's no need to bring her before the church to apologize to apologize for what you didn't help her you and her family didn't help her make better decisions um not necessarily about the children about these relationships that probably shouldn't have even been entered into and i think that's what the book talks about a lot entering, entering into and I even want to offer, Dr. Velma Love speaks about divining ourselves, and she, she speaks of, from this Afrocentric perspective and African um, spiritual perspective, of how we need to see ourselves divine. And I want to see, if, you know, can we bring that over? Because I said before we get out of here, you know, we're going to talk about the lines then, because that thing took me out. And so that there was something about that experience, Dr. Alicia, were you you begin to fall in love with your body through the eyes of another. And, and, and I'm going to let her talk about her experience if you ain't read it because the experience didn't end happy for her, but it opened her up to seeing her body and to seeing how her curves mattered. And her, I call myself juicy. Her juiciness was adored and it was taken care of. But then here's these other negotiations that needed to be had that I get to determine within my body is this going to be good for me? And so, I, you know, what does that look like for, for us to sit in the lion's den? Like, tell, tell the people what the, what the lion's den was. Everything you just said happened in the lion's den for you. <laughs> so it's chapter three. It's actually the last chapter I wrote. And um, it took place actually 21 years ago. So it was in 2001. And I can place it because... I remember we went to a concert right after 9-11, okay? So that's Mm -hmm. why I could place it. Um, I had just started teaching college for the first time. I met this guy. He was from um, Barbados. I've always been attracted to men who had an international, you know, African, you know, something about those men from other continents or countries. And, um, you know, 
without giving too much away, this man was in a whole relationship with a whole nother woman. <laughs> and I started to uncover this relationship because he had just moved, I had just moved. We would go back between each other's apartments because we lived down the street from each other. And so it'll be like, go get a towel. And then I'm like unwrapping like all these delicate pink towels with eyelid. I'm like, you don't, you look like dingy towels. You don't look like delicate towels. And for him to just say, I have another woman. She's coming to live with me. You live down the street. We can, we can, we can all live happily ever after. And I was like, what? Huh? But the, the intimacy part was he was older. So back then, I think I was 27. He was about to turn 40. Um, so he had a lot more experience and he really helped me as a full figured woman really understand and enjoy, realize that my body was good. Like I wasn't just the fat little girl people used to tease. Okay. Like you are pretty. Like he would be in the grocery store, like chewing on my neck and I'd be like, stop. And then I was like, Oh, I think I like that. Um, and you know, so getting to that point of, wow, I've never had this type of intimacy. Um, where, you know, he's holding my hand as we go places or we're at, con you know, we're at a concert or we're doing things and he's heavy on the PDA and he, he helps me um, to feel like desirable. And one of the other things he, he gifted me, he also told me I needed to lose weight. And it wasn't in this evil way, but he was like, you're too pretty to be this large. And so I started a weight loss journey um, that I was able to sustain over the couple of years. And then I started writing dissertation and gained it all back. But he, he, it's like he cared enough for me to publicly um, exchange intimacy with me, but also to say, you're too large, you know, you're too big, you're too big for your frame. And um you know, it's one of those things, it's like this coming into, and we might've probably still remained together had not that whole other woman existed who was coming from New York to move in with him with pretty towels. We possibly would have continued, I'm serious, we probably would have continued um, to exist. And we did see each other spend some time together a couple years later, but the flicker had already gone out. Um, but no, yeah, that was one of those times I was like, oh, that was, you know, I love that. And I was going to, a, I was going to a Kojic church at the time. Jesus. So one day he had, he, he had come by, I was going to the Kojic church, the Bible study. And he was like, I was like, how'd you get here? I lived in the gated community. So he's got in by somebody and I was like, I'm going to the Kojic church. And then I told me I got to keep myself. So I need you to go. <laughs> Amen. Amen, sis. No, what it was was, and and, and I love this, and I love uh, your sharing of that experience. What it speaks to is the multiplicity of, of our um, desires for intimacy. It, it talks to the dimensions of our relationships and the dimensions of intimacy. And it's broken down actually into four ways, spiritual, sexual, operational, and social, right? So when we have the fulfillment in all four of those ways, then there is an intimacy on height that is unbelievable. If we don't have it, then we will then, what, what, what they say, we'll have a different man for something different. What you mean? Like, you know, we'll, uh, we'll what is the word? Uh, a piece of, having a piece of man is better than having, oh, I don't know what I'm talking about. That's how we end up in those types of situations where we have to contract out those different needs. And some of us Ooh. even have, um, you know, gay male friends that we utilize in those different areas so that we can have that form of intimacy so that we can have somebody who says oh baby you know what you could do this and you should do that and somebody who is particularly and detailed wanting us to look better and, and da, 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 da. so we know that these different dimensions exist we just don't understand how to set expectations for all of them being fulfilled because guess what I folks didn't teach us and the church won't Ooh, folks did not take teachers in the church won't. So I, you know, again, I'm looking at time. I want y'all to put some questions in. We have some comments now. Y'all need to hear these comments. So uh Dr. Melba and Dr. Williams be on it. <laughs> Dr. Melba. Um, we first would have to debunk doctrines that the church holds as um foundational, like original sin, which character uh, characterizes our bodies as evil. And we need to mm -hmm. stop falling in love with Jesus and fall in love with our bodies. 
And so Dr. Williams falls behind her and says, yeah, fall in love with our bodies. Um, that's the work, you know, believing the God within is actually pleased. And here's that divine self, you know, falling in love with our bodies. So digging in for intimacy, uh, <clears throat> Dr. Terry, I'm going to say it already because I'm going to declare we both doing it. We're trying to get there without Felicia. <laughs> and so, Amen and Ashe. You said these four ways, but this, 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 again, this emotional space that we need to know, this is how we're digging in um, and how we're digging in for the holidays, how we're digging into life because life is life. And we're watching when people don't have levels of intimacy for themselves. We'll watch people, mm-hmm. it's leading to spaces of unliving. I'll use, I like that phrase actually. Um, and we're not just unliving physically. We stop living. Like I become a hermit. I stay in my house. Even today, just around this conversation, somebody left a post on my page and said, there's no need to have this conversation because if you're not married, then anything you do sexual, including being sensual, is unholy. Mm-hmm. I said, well, you know, watch it tonight and see if you can find somebody. Mm-hmm. That's all I can really say because we've even lost the act of being sensual. Like that has nothing mm-hmm. to do with laying down in the bed. Like I, like, I ain't gonna lie. If I go try on some clothes, I like, I like all my juiciness. So if I try on some clothes, I'm going to be sensual in that mirror and be like, yes, booty. Like you, you looking right because I've been squatting. I mean, like, I mean, this is having these moments of, uh, of, of adoration for this creation that we are, this gift that we are in body and in our bodies. Mm-hmm. And we need to find a way to dig in. Like if, if, if you don't have it, I'm inviting you to get it. Um, please ask some questions. We got a little bit of time um, because I want my and digging to get some rest. <laughs> and digging in doesn't mean that you have to go and sex everybody. Digging in means you get to a point where you can even have a conversation where there is intimacy in a conversation. You know, there's yes. only so many times you meet somebody. There's only so much time you can talk about what's your favorite color, what's your favorite food. Intimacy can be, you know, sharing and talking with somebody about, like I, I explained that conversation, something that's really intimate, that that was an intimate part right. of me, except being able free enough to say, this is what is going on with my body. And this is how my body is feeling. And to feel like, okay, if you, you say you liking me, dude, then this, these are the kind of conversations I will have seven o'clock in the morning as we're on the phone and him being in his, whatever, his interpretive lens telling me how I, you know, trying to encourage me to get out the bed and my body's right. cleansing itself. And, and those are, those, I, don't, I don't even know. And I talk with people all the time. I have friends, they'll meet somebody or somebody will try to flirt with them and they don't even know what to do. Like they don't even know the next move. I'm like, that's what, that's that intimacy sense. You know, it's like, it doesn't have to be sexual. You don't have to go from a DM to get you up and in the bed, but because we're not training people, we're not having these discussions. There are women who are in their fifties. They don't even know how to flirt. Like, so how you going to get to the, how you going to get to be married? <laughs> If somebody say, mm, you know, a middle, middle say sometimes, oh, you, I, I don't mean it to be disrespectful. You guys are pretty legs. I'm like, thank you. You know, and then I'll go about my way. And then I'll be like, mm, girl, you got, they fat, but they're pretty. And then I just say, she about my way. And I don't think people have tapped in and zoned into their bodies that they don't even, you know, we always, um, that clip for waiting to exhale with um, Loretta Devine and she starts switching. Yeah. <laughs> like she's owning her body we don't even know how to do that and there's a lot of women right. you know the church is telling you you got to pray in tongues if you just pray in tongues and there's some even church women i see and i i'm i'm i i'm like i'm not writing any more dissertations i'm a media scholar who does media and religion i ain't write nothing of a magnitude but i've seen even church women um get into relationships but because they're so attached to the title and to the work of the ministry that you kind of see from outside how their marriages even fall apart because it's like so if you just being priest prophet and bishop when are you ever being that delicate flower um sensual sexual being and your and keeping your marriage bed undefiled if that's what you're doing because you're so busy being the the prophet to the nations but i think we're also called especially when you're married for the, whoever that person who is who left that for you then some of this you got to be taught and so where's the class where it's taught where's the class where that 35 year old virgin 
goes and she learns how to be sensual and sexual. And are the church mothers really teaching her? Or are they just saying, well, girl, whatever he say, do, do. What is that? What does that look like? And so I think the book gives a comp is an opportunity. Um, you know, I try not to be explicit. Uh, but you can use your imagination about some of the scenarios that I shared. But I, I want people, whether you're single, divorced, not wanting marriage, you've, you said you're married, you in love with Jesus, and he's in love with you, and that's just going to be your call for the rest of your life. I at least on, want Jonathan you to Butler. tap in and explore <laughs> into, you know, who are you? If you're made in the yes. image of God in the day, then God put that sensuality. That's why we got this whole, there's this theology floating around that Jesus had to be married, because if we're saying he's human and divine, then who took care of his human needs? So you got a whole new um, body of scholarship developing, and some people go, <laughs> blasphemy. It might be blasphemy, but if you're really thinking about Jesus, then Jesus had a need for friendship. That's why he was in Bethany hanging out with Mary, Martha, and Lazarus. And so sometimes we just, you know, we're so far in the holies of holies that we never come and sit down on the earth and deal with um, who we are and our humanity right. and needs our humanity. that we have, the needs yeah, that man. we have um, that are very real. And we can't keep praying and hoping them away or eating cans of ice cream and chicken and all of these other things hoping that it's going to satisfy us. And it's, it's not, it's just making us um, develop comorbidities. And uh, we're carrying a lot of weight that I don't think we have to carry if we can, in fact, kind of tap into who we really are and who God called us to be. Yeah, dig, dig it in. I'd ask, you know, if y'all got questions, ask them again. I want, uh, Dr. Lisa, she came on with grace and elegance by it out. Y'all, y'all extend your hand to her because she's not feeling well. So I don't want to elongate it. We might have to do a part two um, because we just opened up a whole nother space. Of, I, I believe that the church could teach us if they want to, but again, it would strip away a lot of the, this is how we control it. I'm going to put it out there. Like this is how we control it. This is how we keep the order. This is, this is how we keep dominance. This is how we keep hierarchy because we don't invite ourselves to be embodied. But intimacy, sex, sexuality, all of those are three different words with three different definitions. Um, and, and Dr. Leisha says something big, if I am made in the image of God, if I am Imago Day, and I say, I want to have an intimate relationship with that, which I am made in light of, like, why wouldn't I want to have an intimate relationship with myself? Like, let me, what, 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 what is it about? And please don't take this wrong church of people, but what is it about the, the worship space or the sacredness of my body that I need to honor every day? So that I can avoid a comorbidity. Let's hit it. Let's yeah. hit it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like what it, is that? It, because if the body, so, then, yeah. If the, if the body then is the divine space, then we right. are taking uh, we are taking a worship in in the in the in the heat in the see, smell, taste, touch, and hearing of it. In the in the how how many times have we as women just sit and smelled our bodies? We're not even mm. comfortable with our, the, the smell of, I'm talking about, y'all know what I'm saying? The, the intimate smell of our bodies. Because so, that'll so let you know if you're sick or not. Like if you, if you know the smell of your body, and I'm not just talking about in your private area, like you just know the aroma, how your own pheromones work. I learned this about 20 years ago from a friend of mine. This is her study with social work. If I just learn what my body odor is smelling like, if I'm that intimate with myself, I can let you know I'm sick. <laughs> I can let you know I'm well. If if I'm in tune with my body, um, we got Dr. Parks on here, then you can watch my money flow when I'm in tune with my body. She taught me this. So I wish she was on here, Carnella Harvey. If I'm in tune, you can watch my spending habits and let you know I'm in tune with my body. Like, because I'm going to go out and buy a whole bunch of everything I don't need when I'm not in tune with myself. And so how, again, how am I intimate with myself lets me know how I'm intimate in all these other spaces in my life because I'm now going to have spokes to them. Like I'm with me. I even teach this in therapy to people, um, the circles of influence. Make sure you're in the circle of your influence. When it comes to intimacy, make sure you're in the circle of your intimacy. If you're intimate with yourself, I promise you that brother, that sister, they'll know how to touch you because <laughs> you're going to show them how to do it. Church, it's okay that this is taught because that way we can avoid the, 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 the 
crisis that we're sitting in now of losing people because they don't know how to speak to sexual violence. They don't know how to speak to physical, intimate partner violence. They don't know how to speak to this emotional space that's ripping them apart. And so they are, they are, they ghosting us by taking their lives. I mean, like they're leaving because they can't take it. Intimacy is, is big and we have to dig in. Um, you guys, I love y'all. Y'all have any, give us some last words. Um, <laughs> and in those last words, please, this platform is one where I have literal scholars come on that in real life, you're not going to get an hour of their time unless you get them something. So um, I've asked the scholars tonight to put their cash apps up. Please send it directly to them. Um, please support their ministry, support their work. If you have not, this is, <laughs> I'm telling you, this, this is a purchase that you need that you need, that you need, because this is humanity written down. It's somebody's story. People of color, we are storytellers. And our stories keep us going, keep our communities alive and keep them safe and healthy. And this is an offering from Dr. Alicia that is going to keep you safe and healthy if you get it. So please sew in, please do that. Um, so last words, you guys. And if you can put up in um, your cash apps, how, do, how can people get what you, contact you, and how can people give you something for all that you put in tonight? Well, first, I just want to say thank you, doctor. Thank you, doctor. Thank you, Dr. Alicia Simmons. Your book, your insight, your presence, it has been amazing. Um, this is a work that speaks to the healed, healing healers. And so I just thank you for all of the insight. I, um, that you unearthed as well as the conversations that you started. It is a very necessary piece of work because it is the antithesis to those um, storybook, those golden book stories that we were bombarded with, the Cinderella's and the, the Beauty and the Beast and the, all of those things that said that somebody was coming to save us. And that uh, if we weren't you know, saved by the prince, then we weren't worthy. You know, so this, it gives the whole opposite voice that it is our responsibility and our God calling to explore and love our bodies and to see the di different dimensions of, of, of intimacy that are welcomed in our life experiences. So we just thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank last you words, yeah. um, okay. I'm just excited that you welcome the text. Um, you know, sometimes people can discourage you about your work and, you know, well, it's, I mean, you just write these little books, you know, but I always just do the work, just do the work, just do the work and God will put whatever, when God needs to put behind whatever the work, when the, the work is. So I'm just excited. The book was published February of 2021 last year. Um, I published it around um, Valentine's Day because that's when um, people are, you know, thinking about intimacy and relationships, um, you know, I put it all out here. I put it all out here, you know? So um, somebody said one time, well, gosh, if somebody was trying to hold something over your head, they don't have anything. I was like, pretty much. I mean, there's some things I didn't tell, but even um, a couple of years ago, and I think transparency heals, you know, because we're going to overcome by the word of our testimony and the blood of the lamb. So a couple of years ago when Being Mary Jane was on and everybody was watching it on BET, I wrote um, an article for The Root and it talks about being the other woman. So that's one of the stories I didn't include in here, but we are, you know, every week we're watching this show on BET and everybody's like excited about this relationship. And I was like, being another woman just leaves you broken and broke. That's all. Ooh. You're not getting their money. You're not getting their love. You're not getting their affection. You're going to get a good 20 or 30 minutes and a phone call every now and then. You ain't going to get it. Okay. And so... That's where I think this this started, this whole um, ability to tell my story, you know, because the best thing is if you tell your story, nobody can lie about your story. You know what I'm saying? You can put all my books in my, and, and you can be like, her obituary is just read them books. She talked about everybody. She talked about her mom, her daddy, she talked about herself, talk about everybody, okay? Um, so it's my humble offering. Um, you know, I think 
I believe, because I know how scholarship works, sometimes in your own generation, people won't understand your voice or understand your contribution, but somebody will come behind years later and what it is that you've contributed in the earth will help them to understand or to answer a question um, that they had about people who were like you in the time and moment in history you existed. So um, I'm excited about it. The whole Digging for Intimacy is my second of, of three books. And um, the goal is for people to dig into their own stories. So the end of each chapter, there are questions for you. And so most people are like, I can't deal with those questions. Because I, I don't want you just to be a voyeur, just looking in my life and looking mm -hmm. at what I did yeah, with fun. my life. But I want you to think through uh, your story. And so the goal is not just read about my skin. These are my confessions. Don't just read about my <laughs> little confessions and my little tomfoolery and my little sneaky linkness stuff going on. What are the ways in which God is at work in your life? And so the connection I tried to make is I'm not just out here being ratchet, but I'm also navigating my faith. I'm also interpreting, you know, what is what what, what did they tell me about this in church? And, and am I living right? Am I living wrong? What is right or wrong? And so I'm kind of going through this interpretation as I'm going through all these experiences um, and just trying to figure out, God, where are you in all of this? Where are you in all of this? And because I'm bringing my body into all of this, then God is with me. God is with me in the sneaky link. God is with me in these scenarios um, that other people would be afraid to share, but it's not just my story. And I think when I wrote the book, a lot of people say, girl, girl, that's my, that was my story. How, how'd you know about me and my story? So, you know, I just think that there's a point in time where we get an opportunity to share um, and some of us will be transparent enough. And it's like, what do I have to risk? So I wrote it. Um, I was being, I was a college professor. I was like, okay, you want to fire me? I don't know. You want to take away my ordinate? What you going to take away? It's like, I'm setting captives free. I'm set, I set myself free. I'm setting captives free. That's what I'm doing. So um, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to expose the text to maybe a demographic or, an, or a group of people who may have never known it existed. Um, and it's a, it's a quick read because if you go on Amazon, everybody said, oh, I thought I was going to read a chapter and I could get back to. And then somebody was like, I was late for work because I stayed up all night, finished to read the book. So for me, it's a blessing when people are like, I can, I stayed up and read the book or I've had men who read the book and they're like, dang, that's what I did to that woman. So they kind of look back and retrospect about relationships they've had, or they can say, wow, now I have a daughter. So now this is what I need to think through with my daughter as she grows up and gets older, because I remember doing that to somebody's child and I don't want that to happen to my daughter. So if I can inform her when she comes of age, then she can have a different narrative. So Thank you for having me. And I'm just grateful for the opportunity. So it was such an honor. Again, they they slowly not um changing their name on here and putting a cash app. But y'all bless them. If not, and y'all want to bless them, because I can see this is what preachers do. They be trying to be. So I'm gonna put it in the chat for those that are there. You can send it directly here. And I will make sure um if you need to label it for who it needs to go to, let me know. But y'all, the the this is such a blessing um, for you all to be on tonight and helping us understand it. Two scholars, um, one poured out her heart through a book and one just always pours out her heart. I'm waiting on her book to drop. Parents need to drop her book. But we um, but we learned tonight and, the, you know, know, know what you take, whatever your takeaway is, become intimate with that too. So thank you all for supporting Healthy Holy Conversations. Um, I pray that everyone has a beautiful holiday, that it doesn't have to be filled with loneliness, sadness, or the pull away, because somebody told you at one point that only intimacy can be shared between a man and a wife, only intimacy intimacy can be shared here, there, but become an intimate with yourself, um, and let that intimacy pour out and do what it needs to do to take Ooh, care thank of you, you Dr. Mark, community. thank you for this platform, thank you for convening this very necessary <laughs> meeting, you are you always right on time, sis, right on yeah, time, right. I'm telling so, you. And I, and I will see y'all next month, we coming in talking about elders, 
in the church. And we're not talking about how we trying to get they check when they die. We talking about elders and what they do in the church. So I see y'all in January. Y'all be blessed and y'all have a good night.